Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I think that there's something, just the sort of natural feeling of exhaustion that comes in the month of December. It feels like our calendars are more and more full. We have too much to do. We're sitting there and figuring out how we're going to accomplish all of our lists. I read a, an article the other day that talked about the level of stress that people oftentimes feel in the month of December is like astronomical. I think part of it um, is just because of all the things that there is to do in the month of December. Um, but also is, is this disconnect that we oftentimes um, feel around the holidays. This is a, a time in which we focus upon um, family and, um, and friends and a world and a culture which is more and more estranged with one another. There becomes this disconnect between what the culture says we ought to be doing and how we ought to live our lives. We sit there and we think about these idyllic family Christmas scenes, gathering around a crackling fire and listening to Bing Crosby um, playing over the, the stereo. But in reality, more of our families are probably like Merry Christmas from the Family by Robert Earl Keane. If you have not listened to it, it is the greatest Christmas carol that you can imagine for this season. But in the midst of this, we hear this message in the collect today, the prayer for today, in which we ask God to come and stir something up within us. Right, The moment in which we feel exhausted that there's too much to do, that the expectations are too high. How am I going to find the perfect gift? How am I going to get all of these things done? How am I going to get the cookies that I've made every single year baked? How am I going to do it all? We pray this morning for God to come and to stir something up within us. But what is it that we are wanting stirred up? We can turn to the gospel reading today and, 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 and the, the, the dichotomy, the, 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 the 180 that we find John the Baptist last week. He is on the riverbank and he is preaching fire and brimstone. You brood of vipers who told you to come out of the city to watch me. Right? I mean, he's sitting there and he's calling everyone out. He is on his A game in terms of his preaching and now... This Sunday, we hear of John the Baptist again, but rather on the banks of the River Jordan where he is telling people to repent, get right with God. God's kingdom is here. you got to get ready. Man, this is going to be the most incredible thing ever. We find John in prison. And he is wondering and he is asking, is this really the one is all of this energy and excitement and passion that I place in proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near, is it really? John is in prison. John is on death row. 
John called out King Herod, not the big King Herod, but the lesser King Herod that had a small little kingdom um, up around the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. And, 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 and the drama, right, I don't know how many of y'all have watched Meghan and Harry on, on Netflix. Um, being staunch royalists, I'm probably not going to watch it. But, um, but, but if you think that the, the, the Windsor family has some, um, a little bit of craziness going on, uh, they can't hold a candle to King Herod. King Herod has gone and taken his brother's wife um, as his own, and John has begun turning his preaching of repentance for the kingdom of God has come near to, man, that King Herod has some horrible, horrible morals and values. And so King Herod has him put into prison, and he is just simply waiting the time in which he is going to die. But in the gospel reading, there is no army that is there to come and rescue John from King Herod. Jesus is not getting a, a group of mercenaries together so they can do a covert operation at night to rescue John from prison. Jesus is just out there doing what John said, the kingdom of God has come near. And Jesus is doing kingdom things in the world. He's healing people. He's bringing people back to life. People are getting their, their vision restored and their hearing restored. And, and he's forgiving sins. And, and he's eating with, with tax collectors and sinners and all the people that, that, that good Christians would not sit next to. And so John rightfully begins to ask, well, if this kingdom is here, why is the kingdom not releasing me. And so John asked Jesus, Jesus, are you the one or are we to wait for another? See, John's expectations for the kingdom of God were often more like a military power who would come and restore Israel to greatness. But I wonder how often in our own lives, in our own walks with God, we have ever found ourselves, like John, asking the question, are you really the one or should we wait for another? I don't know if the times in which I struggle the most with God are not the times when everything is going well in life. When, when, when I'm on cloud nine, I'm not sitting there going, well, geez, where is God? It's, it's at the moments in which life seems to be the hardest that I'm asking the question, well, God, where are you? If this kingdom is so good, if this kingdom is so grand, if you are so powerful, God, where the heck are you? And so I find great comfort in the fact that John the Baptist, this confident preacher who one Sunday is out there calling people to repentance and fire and brimstone and, and every knee has, has bowed and every heart has declared that, that Jesus is the Lord. I mean, he's got nothing on Billy. Billy Graham has nothing on, on John the Baptist. And the very next Sunday, we hear about John wrestling with his own beliefs and convictions. The gospel speaks a truth about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God does not come through force and for violence. The gospel is a gospel of weakness which makes it a strange gospel in a world which, which, which honors strength above all else. 
That the death of Jesus on the cross is not a symbol of a failure, but it is the coronation of the king of kings. That the way of the cross is exactly opposite the way that we want life to go. We want everything to go right in our world, and when it doesn't, by gosh, we're going to take it by our own power and our own force. I watched that fantastic Advent movie um, on Friday, Goodfellas. <laughs> and it really is, because, because the whole story of Goodfellas is, is that the more you try to force, the, 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 the deeper the hole that you get into, and in order to get out of the hole, you have to sit there and you just end up digging a deeper hole, right? And, and, and so there's, there really is some, some, some gospel stuff to reflect upon, but it's just like really a fun movie. But the whole thing is we think that's the way that the world works, right? If we don't get what we want, by gosh, we're going to take it by force and by violence. So I ask you, in your own life, when doubts and questions and despair rise up within you, when you struggle with the questions that John asks, are you really the one or should we wait for another what do you do with that? What do you do with the person who is struggling in life? Think about some of the things that we oftentimes find ourselves saying. Well, that's just all part of God's plan. Oh, don't worry. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Strangely, the moments that we find ourselves at our wits ends and asking, are you the one that we are to wait for or is there another, is the moment sometimes when God shows up and God does not show up in platitudes. All the platitudes do is just hold God at bay. So we don't actually have to wrestle with God. We can just say, oh, well, this is part of God's plan, so I don't have to ask the deep questions about why God did not show up in this moment. I can sit there and go, okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got this. And it keeps God at bay so we don't have to ask the questions that John finds himself asking. Because all of those things do is allow us to avoid admitting the fact that most things in life we are absolutely powerless over. There is nothing that we can do about most of the things that happen to us and that frightens the heck out of us. In the midst of the cry, are you the one or is there another one that we are to wait for? Do we actually leave enough room for God to answer that question or do we simply just want to move on? Are we willing to wait, as James says in his letter today, to wait for the peace of God which passes all understanding but does not necessarily come on our own terms? No matter what the prosperity gospel preachers will tell you is that the Christian life is not necessarily supposed to be easy. Right? This is, this is, this is the thing that, that, that we don't tell people. Is that Jesus says, if you follow me, life is going to get harder, not easier. When John's disciples come and they find Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you the one or we, should we wait for another? Jesus just simply goes and says, you go tell John this. That the deaf are, are hearing, the lame are walking, the dead have come back from life, 
and the sinners are having good news preached to them. He's quoting Isaiah, um, one of the passages, the, the, the promises Isaiah says that this is how we know the kingdom of God is deprived. And what's interesting is this, is that Jesus leaves out one promise that Isaiah said about what the kingdom would look like. And that was that the prisoners would go free. Right? John is in the moment in which he is a political prisoner. He wants nothing but to be out of there. He does not want to be on death row wondering each and every day, is this the last day of my life? And Jesus does not include the release of prisoners in the promises of what's going on. Now, there's, 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 there's a, I think, a reason for this. The, the, the reason is, is that I think that Jesus is, that the gospel or, or the, the book of Isaiah is talking about those who are in prison as a result of their debt. So it's about debt forgiveness. But even more so is, is that Jesus is trying to say that this kingdom that we have in which we follow Jesus as the king of kings is not the kind of kingdom that takes things by force and by violence. And so in many ways, John becomes the first martyr of the kingdom. But still thinking about what it is when you want it the most and it doesn't happen to you. John wants to be set free. It does not happen to him. Does that make the promises any less real? Does it make the kingdom any less um, powerful? This morning, this morning, I pray that God stirs something up within you. That God's Holy Spirit works on you and allows you to ask the deep questions of God, where are you? To not feel shame or guilt at having those questions, but rather waiting, listening, and hearing the response from God. Amen. Amen.